This is Ed McMahon, and now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Live from Studio C. Si, senor. Although from the sound of my voice, you'd question the live part. Dimly lit room deep within the bowels of the uh, Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. Day Tuesday, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. Don Henley. Don Henley? Yes, the drummer slash singer slash lyricist for the rock and roll band The Eagles. Did he die? Who in the 80s brought us the classic hit, I believe, on the Building the Perfect Beast album. I could be wrong. Dirty Laundry. <clears throat> it's interesting when people die. Gives us dirty laundry. His hit record, his scathing indictment of the news, which has gotten only worse in the intervening decades. I couldn't help but think of that last night as I'm taking in the news. It's all interesting ways people died today. You. You is right, Jack. Co-general manager, Jonah Goldberg. His new book, Suicide of the West, is most excellent. We'll be talking to him later in the show. Cool. I am um, lucky enough not to take in much news last night as my son's second grade class did some sort of dance performance. And you're so much better off, so better off. Oh, yeah. And uh, each there are three second grade classes right. at the school, and each class did a different uh, cultures dance. Anybody do the Irish <laughs> dancing with the hands at the sides? <laughs> Clog dancing. <laughs> with 90% of the movement <laughs> happening below the knee. Oh, yeah. His, his class did Mexico, as they pronounced it. And um, <clears throat> some sort of dancing and clapping and jumping around. It was pretty cool. It was really cool. I told him he was the best dancer up there, which I actually, I surveyed the stage, right. looked at every dancer. Uh, right. uh-huh. you're, you're the best. Did any of the kids from uh, his dance troupe just uh, walk over onto other dance troops and insist on being part <laughs> of those dance troops without permission? Ah, anchor dancers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what was a ripoff, though, is the last class to go. They got to do the electric slide. Oh, wait a minute. Which is a, a popular, uh, you know, group dance in country music, hip-hop, everything. Everybody does that kind of thing. And I actually thought, you know, that's a life skill. They should teach that to every kid because you learn how to do that. You're going to be in a lot better situation socially when you get older and start being in that thing. You could run out there with the girls, or the, the girls already know how to do it, so it's mostly for the boys. You could run out there and do that. You've, you learned it in second grade. Mm. It would really help your life a lot. You're never going to do that Mexican dance you just did, ever. A life skill. It's a life skill. (laughs) I can see it. It'd see you with dating. It really, really would. Yeah. Because I couldn't do the electric slide, and it kept me on the sidelines. Oh, boy. Um, Let's introduce everybody in the squad. We'll start there with our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? Uh, Pretty good. It's the girlfriend's birthday today, so I've been preparing for it. I've been 
clipping coupons from the, uh, you know, when you get the mail. And, um, sure. So I'm looking for a two-for-one coupon and, I, th- you know, maybe a salad bar and going to treat her right. You know what she wants for her birthday? To be made an honest woman. <laughs> Put a ring on that thing. Put uh, a ring yeah. on it. I was I nothing just says love like buy one, get one free. I was going to get her a medium pizza. <laughs> Beautiful. There you go. Of course, Michael could get married and have two kids, and we'd never know. Yeah, right. Exactly. He would never mention it. It's just his thing. There's Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well, Well, although this news uh, somewhat disturbs me. There are 600,000 active pilots in the United States as of 2017, the most current data available what for such What was that number things. again? 600,000. Now, is that a lot? Is that a little? I don't know. Pilots of any kind? Yes. Okay. A- active pilots, whatever that yeah. qualification that sounds means. sounds like a lot, but... In 1980, there were 800,000. Why are there no longer people saying, yes, I will defy the laws of physics and I will take (laughs) this steel bird as close to the sun as possible? I don't know. You'd think like everything else, it would have gotten cheaper. Yeah. You'd think uh, like anything else, it would have gotten safer. There's probably more pilot jobs now than there were in 1980, I I would think. Buddy of mine's professional pilot. I will ask him. I'll text him this morning. Excellent. That is uh, that is somewhat interesting. That, that you know, so most of those people would be flying around little tiny planes, probably. Right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, those the, those are the dangerous ones. Those are the ones that oh, you yeah. you actually yeah. have to worry about crashing now and then. The big plane we're all on, you really don't have to worry about it ever crashing. Um, the little ones, yeah. I can concoct a theory on anything, and I'm not coming up with anything. Hmm. I wonder why that is. It wouldn't. It's not economic. I mean, it. It's not fuel prices. Fad. Is it possible just that it was popular for a while, becoming a pilot? And Because I, I was reading the other day how golf is so far down. Mm-hmm. And it's not a less fun or... I mean, there's no reason for it other than just right. less people. It's whatever. cheaper. Yeah. Uh, there's Marshall Phillips, who does our news every day. How are you, Marshall? I am doing very well. we got a couple of celebrity birthdays today. A couple of songbirds we are honoring. First out of the box, singer Kelly Clarkson. She is turning 36 today. The first American Idol. Indeed. still She's among, only 36. Yes. Still wow. among the most successful contest winners. Her net worth, $28 million. Good for her. Now, a little further on down the line, we have got Miss Bab Streisand. She is 76 today, and Barbara Streisand's net worth, at least $390 million. She is also a a huge property owner in and around Malibu. You know, she may have been, it's between her and Batgirl, my first, uh, first, like, uh, romantic inklings in my body. Really? Yeah. Wow, Bab Streisand. The, the, Interesting. the movies, funny girl. They were old movies when I saw them, right. but like this, the movies in the '60s where she was really young, and they were they were just they were romantic comedies, is what they were. Right. right. She was fantastic, and she was she was awkward and quirky looking, yeah. but but cute and intelligent, obviously. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. yeah. She was. Something. I could see that, and Batgirl. And perhaps Batgirl. <laughs> that was a little more animal attraction. I know Batgirl was my first physical stirrings. I know the first time it ever moved was Batgirl. Well, there is, oh, oh, Lord. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It, wow. it, it could have been left unstated. Yeah. Start of the show. Wow. And, uh, yeah, but those, yeah, unmistakable appeal there. Yeah. It was her moral rectitude that drew me. <laughs> Not her skin tight leather suit. Yeah, not the skin tight leather suit and high heel boots. Wasn't that? And making (laughs) sounds all the time. Uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Tuesday, April 24th, year 218. We're keeping you straight in 218. I must interrupt, Joe, because we're going to do something unprecedented here. Wow. It's the first ever opening the show with a late night joke off. (sighs) 
All right. I just thought it'd be interesting. Switch it up a little bit. What the early the, morning risers never get to hear it. You know, in defense of tradition, uh, what the hell do I care? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, so uh, we got a series of late night jokes, and we'll we'll rate each one of them. And the uh, bottom score is banned uh, for life from comedy. Let's hear. Them. Duchess of Cambridge, Kate Middleton gave birth to a baby boy today. He was yeah, yeah. He was born eight pounds, which works out to eleven dollars and fifteen cents. <laughs> But this is Kate's third child in just five years. When she heard that, Meghan Markle was like, <laughs> we're, we're not all expected to do that, are we? Actually, a lot of people were betting on the name of the new royal baby. And those people have a name, too. They're called gambling addicts. And... Hmm. Wow, well, this is very interesting. That was pretty good. Yeah. Seth with a solid B-. minus. Yeah. It was worth a yeah, chuckle. I like that joke. Carton with a B plus. The delivery was really, I thought, extra good. Fallon with a B plus as well. Unfortunately, James Corden is deducted a full grade for being a foreigner. <laughs> Got him again. His C plus. <laughs> Earns him a band for life. Yeah, if you're betting on the sex of the royal baby, you really got to take a look at your gambling yes. thing. Um, what are other headlines, Marshall? Well, in a van attack in Toronto, Bush One's in the hospital, and Amazon's got a new super secret project, a domestic robot. Details coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Yeah, some big stories that happened late in the day. Um, how's mailbag look? Oh, it's fine. It, it could be uh, could be better. You know, you can send your, your thoughts, your opinions, your whatever to mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Yeah, uh, looking forward to Jonah Goldberg. If you don't know his act, really smart uh, guy. Funny, too. Funny? Yeah. Later in the show. A lot later in the show. You'll be, you, the early listener, you'll be at work. That's the 9 o'clock listener. You know how they are. Yeah, we'll, we'll edit the uh, explaining, like, how many states there are to the later listeners and, and spelling simple words. And we'll edit that out. Hear it, maybe. Yeah, right. early bird gets the worm. Uh, late bird gets Judge Judy. That's kind of the way it works. Oh, Second rat gets the cheese, though. That's true. Uh, we are the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience. Of the nation. It was a beautiful day. Sun beat down. You might be doing this today. I had the radio walk. I was driving. Nice day. Windows up. Vents closed because of my allergies. <laughs> um, so as I went to bed last night, it seemed pretty clearly that that guy that killed all those poor people in Canada was a, was a mentally ill person as opposed to a jihadist. Did anything new happen overnight? I, you know, I don't know. I hadn't heard enough to draw a conclusion. I know Canada will be extremely slow in admitting if it is a Muslim thing. They're just, that's the way they swing. They're very, very politically correct in Canada. He didn't have a Muslimy name, did he? Well, that's uh, iffy. I don't know. And then there's, you know, uh, what you hear in the first hours after these things not often is wrong. It almost always is wrong. <laughs> yeah, either partially or completely. But I heard one particular thing about the guy, which again could be wrong, which reminded me of the Waffle House thing where it seemed like, okay, this guy's completely crazy, which. I mean, that's, that's its own problem that we got to figure out. What are we going to do about really crazy people? Right. Right. Yeah, well, there, yeah, there are a lot of questions to be considered today, and we will consider them at some point, perhaps. Mailbag. 
James Comey got a standing ovation in San Francisco last night. Talk more about that appearance coming up. Your freedom-loving quote of the day from uh, Thomas Sowell, the great uh, writer, philosopher, thinker. Yes, a philosopher is a thinker, Joe. You idiot! You're neither idiot. I'm sorry, my self-hatred <laughs> vocalizing today. The idea that taxpayers owe it to you to pay for what you want suggests that much of today's education fails to instill reality and instead panders to a self-centered sense of entitlement to what other people have earned. Boy, that is so clearly true. Boy, there's there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. Reality's not near as exciting either. No, and it often, reality often turns and looks you in the face and says, right, what are you going to do? By the way... Since you mentioned philosophy, as a, and the parade we went to the other day, the Philosophy Club marched. And I was looking mm. at those guys, and they look really smart, and they probably are. I had a friend who was a um, philosophy major, like got his master's, taught classes, the whole thing. And God dang it, he would get in some stuff like, because that, I just can't get it. I've tried, oh, I've tried my entire adult life. Because there's some stuff I'm pretty good at learning. But I sit down with the philosophy, I think, here I go. This is Hegel for dummies. I'm going to get into it. I'm going to figure this out. And I just I just can't. There's a lot of time I think, this is just a waste of time. <laughs> that, I think that's what slows me down. And the, the, the philosophers or philosophy majors are able to sit there and contemplate that stuff without anybody ever raising their hand and saying, why are we doing this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm all for the life examined and then thinking about the world and reality and then the God and man and the rest of it, but they get awful deep. I don't know. Here's your Latin-loving quote of the day. Non incotus futuri. Latin for not unmindful of the future. Perhaps my generation will begin the process of paying off the debt of the United States or drown under the debt left to them, which seems more likely. Then he, uh, Ben Libertarian, includes a link to the U.S. Debt clock. I tweeted last night to uh, much approval and acclaim a little graphic that they showed on the Fox News that we're taking in $26,000 in change in tax revenue per household right now, 26 k or so, and spending 33 k It's between six and $6,600, as I recall, per household in America per year of debt that we are throwing on the kids and the unborn kids out of pure selfishness. So we and, just open up another credit card. I don't see what the... Right, exactly. and I, I was going to use the credit card analogy, and like credit cards, it's got to get paid at some point. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you I, just was, uh, move the balance to your new one. <laughs> right, right, and they Different offer you a rate. lower rate. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fine. Uh, Stossel. Guys, it's fine. Stossel. John Stossel? That's funny. I blanked out his first name. Is that his first name? That is that is that person. Okay. Well, okay. Good. <laughs> that's is the that, person you're thinking of. The person with the mustache on TV. <laughs> it is. All right. Thank you for your help. So anyway, John Stossel he uh, tweeted something similar a few years ago, and it, it showed that very thing. Um, Here is a family that takes in twenty six k, spends thirty three k, and they already have one hundred seventy thousand dollars in debt. And the question is, would you lend money to this family? The obvious answer. Yes, if you're, you know, buying U.S. bonds. Would you lend money to this family? That's that's a good way to put it. Yeah. No, you wouldn't. You'd think they don't have their act together. No. My God, they're wildly irresponsible and show no intention of changing. Moving along, as we must. So we have plenty of time for this. Noah and Liz write, My wife, newborn son, and I are lying in the, laying, lying, lowing in the hospital, <laughs> listening live. 
making sure he achieves fag since birth status. Friend of Armstrong and Getty since birth. K-I-A-E-P-C-T-G. Keep informing and entertaining people cradle to grave. <laughs> will, will do. From the womb to the tomb. That's right. Noah and Liz in beautiful Davis, California. Congratulations on the birth of your newborn son. We wish you uh, the best. He is like a little baby. He's very much like a little baby. He's, uh, yes, sir. Well said, sir. Okay, so I got a dog named Baxter, and he wasn't pooing. And because he was pooing too much, and they had us change his diet, now he doesn't poo at all, and we feared he'd explode. Maybe you got that breed that they've, uh, uh, you know, they've bred the need to poo out of it. It's like a seedless watermelon. Yeah, very popular dog. (laughs) Doesn't ever need to poop. What the hell? What? It's like a seedless watermelon. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's see. Is this Hayden or uh, Belinda or both of them, right? uh, uh, Well, they're one of uh, many people who said something like this. Joe, try giving Baxter some canned pumpkin. That'd do it. All sorts of home remedies for making your dog poo like crazy. You know, I might have an update because our uh, pug uh, ate an entire box of cake mix while we were at the dance thing last night. Oh, there he is. There he is. He seems to be having trouble breathing. Trying to sleep off his cake mix hangover. Does he always sound like that? (laughs) We left him outside last night thinking, eh. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, we just uh, returned Baxi to his more or less uh, normal diet, and after a day it was fine. So thank you for all (laughs) All the suggestions for making him have to urgently and suddenly poo like crazy. Then I got this from Brad, frequent correspondent Brad. Joe, why? Why in the world, when you finally have your kids out of the house, would you get a dog? Finally free of responsibility at home, able to be more carefree, spontaneous. Just you and your partner in life, so what do you do? You get a dog. Now you carry and worry about the dog. Modify your landscape, ruin your carpets, Uh, blah, 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 blah. Can you explain this weird compulsion to me? I will be enjoying life while you watch your dog's bowel movements. <laughs> uh, maybe I enjoy watching dog's bowel movements. Yeah. Maybe so that's what you're into. Kid. You know, uh, I, uh, number one, Brad, I love dogs. Number two, uh, I'm. Uh, I, there are times I think what the hell was I'm th- uh, thinking, but uh, there's much more joy and fun in my house than there was before we got Baxter. So, uh, so there. Let's see. Waff- oh, you know what? But my parents have avoided getting a dog since the, the, their three kids left many years ago for I, the very reason of uh, RVing around or whatever the heck it is they want to do. I can completely understand that. And my dad figures once he's no longer, they're no longer going anywhere, they're going to get a dog. Yeah. Uh, that, that, uh, Rand Paul writes, uh, Brian, whatever happened to that story? U.S. Senator attacked and the story just goes away. Well, Brian, I, I'm not sure if you've run up against the criminal justice system. Dude is uh, getting tri- pre-trials and motions and hearings and more motions and then pleas and then plea bargains and then the rest of it. The wheels of justice grind very, very slowly. That case may be revol- or, uh, resolved two years from now. Just takes a while. I don't think he's attacking Rand Paul anymore. I think Rand Paul is safe. So Rand Paul flipped his vote yesterday. So Pompeo got out of committee. Correct. Um, and is certain, a positive recommendation. is certain to be the next Secretary of State. And so. you had one senator act like uh, it was the Senate of old. He said, you know, this, I'm not going to be the guy who makes this an unprecedented thumbs down. I'll just vote present. Y'all can advance your guy. Very gentlemanly. Marshall has got the latest news, and we're going to get into everything coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. So 
was just reading because uh, Comey was in San Francisco last night, and um, one of the articles they had, there's no information about it in the newspaper today, which is why, unfortunately, right. for newspapers, they are dead. Right. Because there's no news about it in the encyclopedias either. I don't know why you're going to newspapers for that. <laughs> wow. Hurtful. If you want news of what happened on Sunday, you can find it in the print version of the paper today. But, Correct. Um, and that's plenty soon enough for me. But there was, <laughs> I'm still getting used to it being 2018. But there's an article in there about how Comey's book sales are slow, and they think it's because he's done so many damned interviews. You kind of get the feeling you've gotten everything without having to buy the book. And uh, several bookstores have said they sold more copies of Fire and Fury in the first hour than they have of Comey since the book came out. Huh. So, anyway, uh, let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, the police chief in Toronto, Canada, says a van plowing into a crowded sidewalk of people definitely looked deliberate. That's his quote. Ten people killed, 15 injured Monday when that van jumped the sidewalk and continued going for a mile, mile and a half at 30 miles an hour. The 25-year-old suspect captured a few blocks away. The authorities say he lives in a Toronto suburb, had not been known to the police previously, and as investigators continue to interview him, word is the attack may have been more motivated by mental illness than terror group affiliation. In a video, the driver of the van challenged officers to go ahead and kill him, saying he had a gun in his pocket. Come on, get down! Come on, get down! Get down! I'm coming my pocket. I'm scared, get down! I'm coming my pocket. Get down! The officer declined to shoot, and soon they managed to take the guy into custody without any further incident. It's hard to hear there, but he's he's yelling, shoot me in the head. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Got a well, gun in my pocket. Got a gun in my pocket. So what's what is the evidence of mental illness? I'm unclear on that. This is this is That's just, just some, what authorities are saying. Yes, these are the early reports. Okay, but I, I, I heard one example of yeah. some crazy posting on Facebook. But like I said, it was right. in the first hour or so, so it could be completely bogus. Canada's Globe and Mail described uh, Manassian as a man with no known religious or political affiliation, right. strong views or history. Blah blah blah. Speaking of waiting, I'm perfectly okay after these mass killing stories to wait until we find out what actually happened. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The suspect in the deadly shooting at that Nashville area Waffle House early Sunday was caught Monday afternoon after a day and a half manhunt. He was uh, found in a wooded area near his Nashville apartment after police got a tip from some construction workers in the area. Hey, hey, we just saw a guy who looks exactly like the suspect. Cops moved in. The woman here lives in the area. Just all of a sudden heard all these sirens and, you know, the helicopter's been going all day. And then they really just, like, pulled him out of the woods. And, you know, it was a swarm of just, you know, state troopers. And I think even, like, Homeland Security was here. They just pulled him out and got him in the car. And now I think they've gone back in and are looking to see if there's anything, you know, still in the woods. Yeah, we're going to look to talk to someone about how did that guy that crazy end up with those guns. I mean, what's going on there? And... If that guy up in Canada turned out to be crazy, what 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 do we do with this as a society? And this is my third and. Um, I'm surprised these um, attacks by driving a vehicle into crowds aren't happening more often. Because I mean, you can get a vehicle anywhere. Are you done with your ands? Yeah. And we've had mentally ill people forever. Why are they now acting out in this way? I think we all know the answer to that. It's because uh, mass killings are now an accepted part of American life and or Canadian life as we make heroes of the killers and show the uh, endless loop of the killings on the TV. Yeah. More to come on that. 
Former President George H.W. Bush. Bush 1 is in a hospital right now for an infection that spread to his blood. A uh, statement from his spokesman said Bush was admitted to the hospital Sunday morning. He is responding to treatment. He appears to be recovering. He uh, spent the entire day, as you recall, Saturday at the uh, funeral for his wife, Barbara Bush. And then he sat there for hours greeting people who had come to pay their respects to his former wife. Yeah, I mean, you know, you don't want to be grim, but... That's a pretty common thing for long-time married old people, for one to go and then the other one right. to go quickly thereafter. Right. Yeah, it would not shock anyone. No. no. Amazon is working on a top-secret project to build a domestic robot. Time has reported the so-called Vesta project started up a few years ago, and now this year Amazon's ramping up hiring for positions for people to work on it. The company says it's not going to comment on rumors and speculation. Also, it's unclear exactly what kind of robot this would be, but those who are familiar with the project speculate it could be a sort of mobile Alexa accompanying customers around their home throughout oh, the day. Surveilling you every moment <laughs> yes. of your life. Following doing you. what sort of stuff? Whatever. If it's an R2-D2 that I get to take to the store with me, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently, you know, if you uh, want to order things while you're on the move or uh, the robot may be able to carry out simple tasks. Now, they haven't defined what simple yeah, tasks I'd like to, would get, be. you got to hit me with one. Yeah, Alexa, Alexa, smite my enemies. <laughs> For instance, a vacuum. That would be nice. Yes. I just don't think they get that. I can't imagine a robot anybody could afford that could actually vacuum your house. Well, you uh, pick up your, all the stuff, your yeah. Roomba and all. You yeah. could, you could have visual scanner. I'm hoping glowing red eyes uh, to, to make sure it doesn't vacuum up the cat or whatever. <laughs> I'm sure it'd be it's effective. Good thing. good thing to avoid. Yeah. yeah. Put her on a Roomba and let her move around. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Because, as we all know, all doctors are saying what Americans need is less physical activity. So if we can eliminate the little bit that we do get, we'd be in great shape. Less to do, more time for leisure. More time to stare at screens. Every mental health expert says that's what we need. More leisure time. More time contemplating the meaning of life and less time doing menial tasks. Everybody says that. And for God's sake, less actual contact with people. <laughs> uh, so what are we doing to ourselves? I don't know. That's a question for a different day, perhaps. <laughs> we made it onto the uh, one of most uh, read blogs in America. By cool, smart people. Awesome. United. Awesome. Oddly enough, they're probably making fun of us. I'm not sure I've ever even looked at a blog. So You have. You just don't know it. Okay. Uh, among other things on the way. Yeah, so we're going to try to nail down the, the details of some of the big stories of the day. Hey, kids. This was a hit song once. That's right. Ugh. Next time your parents yell at you, yell back at them. Yeah. You listen to Mr. Roboto. Good point. <laughs> They have no argument for that. Right. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Got a driver here who uh, got eight months for flipping off the police. You can't do that, apparently. I would never do that, but... Oh, wait a minute. In America? Uh, in Britain. Oh, yeah. 
because that's that's legal in America. I don't do it, <laughs> which, you know, could be a philosophical conversation we could get into someday. How we become so legalistic and regulators as a society, people figure out, uh, people become infantilized. They decide if it's legal, it must be okay. And if it's, uh, you know, if it's not legal, it must be bad. And I don't advocate breaking the law, but they don't think independently anymore. They also think if there's not a guardrail, it can't be dangerous, for instance. Right. If there's no warning on a knife, I can stick it in my own eye. <laughs> For instance, yeah, uh, I got a couple of things for you. Um, got this post office worker who said he was overwhelmed by all the mail. Like a Newman once said in Seinfeld, it just keeps coming. Mm. Um, they found this guy had seventeen thousand pieces of mail. He'd been <laughs> he'd been shoving into various areas over his twenty year career. Wow, when he'd have too much mail, he had ten thousand in his car. 6,000 in his apartment and 1,000 pieces in his work locker. Wow. <laughs> wow, that seems like way more uh, work than just putting it in people's mailboxes. Yeah, he stashed about 17,000 pieces of undelivered mail from over a decade because he was overwhelmed by the amount he had to deliver. He told investigators he made sure to deliver the important mail. You know what? If you're sorting through and like giving me the bills and stuff like that and weeding out stuff that's obviously, uh, you know... Uh, a phony, do you want a mortgage from me yeah. or, uh, or 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 ads? Go ahead. So he's a human spam filter? I'd actually I'd pay like you. to shake his hand. I'd actually pay you extra to do that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I took all the crap out. We threw it in the ditch. No That's problem. That's great. Perfect. Uh, why even inoffensive jokes by the boss can be problematic? This is pretty good. I don't know if I buy it, but I kind of liked it. Okay. Um, there's a reason almost every presentation or keynote address begins with a joke. Humor breaks up tedium, eases tension, and helps foster team spirit. Is that the is that the feeling you get after somebody usually tells a joke at the beginning of a meeting? <laughs> That's not the feeling I usually get. Yeah, me I had either, one but, pretty recently. But I'm bitter. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. And studies indicate funny leaders create trust and improve performance among their employees. That's right. How about leaders who think they're funny but aren't? Yeah, that's Mm. a good one. And you got to love the transition after no laughs. But seriously. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Let's get back to these actuary tables. Uh Uh, New research, however, suggests that humor can also have a corrosive quality in the workplace. And that when managers tell jokes, even ones that seem inoffensive, it can serve to undermine the organization. Listen oh, to this crap, would you? Oh, my. When leaders tell jokes that poke fun of the status quo or violate expected behavior, even mildly, they are sending signals that it's okay to cross boundaries. That's what I do. If uh stand up there, little thing in the conference room, he makes a joke about uh, how bad the coffee is, I mm. figure I can just go ahead and molest the uh, the, the receptionist. Right, or, or set fire to somebody's office. <laughs> That's what I assume. He said a swear word. I see chaos is accepted here. Wow, I can cross boundaries. I think I'm going to pee in a women's john just to see what it's like. It's nice in there. Nobody can stop me. This guy swore. <laughs> Uh, it can lead to a greater acceptance of rule-breaking among employees, according to a recent published paper in the Academy of Management Journal. Wow. I'm not sure I'm buying this. We need to have different classifications of workplace, though. I mean, is it a, a place where, where people with brains come together and they create and they solve problems and they do stuff? Or is it a drone shop where you got to crank out 18 widgets an hour to yell at you? And you're still telling me that a, an inoffensive, unfunny joke causes people to act all rule breaky? 
after they hear that joke? I'm just I not buying know. it. I haven't worked in a drone shop in a very long time. Thank you're, God. You're too deadened in those kind of jobs. I've had many of them. You're too deadened in one of those jobs to That's break the, the rules. Yeah. i got to write a management book. How to deaden your employees' souls and ensure, uh, you know, cooperation. So some guy who makes his living thinking about this sort of stuff and, and, and publishing papers that probably aren't true in a university <laughs> journal, which is a lot of what a lot of people do for a living. Yes, and taxpayers pay for it or subsidize it, and it, it's a waste of everybody's time and paper. Developed something called the benign violation theory, ah. which holds that humor can follow when social norms are violated and when it's perceived as non-threatening. In the paper, they use the following joke as an example. What do dinosaurs and decent lawyers have in common? They're both extinct. Ah, ha, ha! Ah, let's kill a lawyer! Find a lawyer! Stop him! <laughs> That's what I would do. The joke, while not hysterical, works because it rests on the ideas of lawyers dying off, which represents a violation of norms, but right. since it's not to be taken literally, it's inoffensive. Oh, oh thank God. Oh. oh, I wasn't sure how to take it until he told me. I had already dialed 9-1 to report you. I'm glad you finished that before I completed the call. <laughs> but but what if I'm a dinosaur? Then it's offensive to me. Because Workpla- sometimes dinosaurs are victims of discrimination. Or Work, something. Workplaces it's intersectionality. You don't understand it. Workplaces are bound by rules and expected behaviors. Employers, employees usually take their cues about what is and what is not permissible from their managers. When a leader makes a joke that subverts social norms like that one, a meaningful message is conveyed about the values of the organization. Jack, this reminds me very much of the idea of a centrally planned economy. That is a bureaucrat attempting to write out how humor works and how people react to it and how that affects a workplace's functionality. While he was writing that paper, or while you were reading that single sentence, a thousand thoughts occurred to various people about humor and reacting to it. A thousand! And he wrote out one. And is now attempting to explain to you, well, you should manage your workplace by only using humor if it is non-threatening and a norm upsetting... Meanwhile, human beings and the free market of ideas has been zooming at incomprehensible speed. And he's trying to just step by step. Here's how you do it. It's ridiculous. I almost got sucked into that academic world. That was that was my track I was on for a while. I was going to get my master's degree and I wanted to be uh, I had this my my uh, what do you call the person that uh, that guides you through college Your teacher, Guidance your advisor, counselor, a mentor, uh, right. a dealer. Uh, But anyway, he was um, he taught a variety of communications classes and he was a consultant for companies and he'd go around and talk about this sort of crap. And uh, and he did it in a funny way. So it looked like a good time and fun and Mm -hmm. looked like really easy work. And I thought maybe that's what I'm going to do and everything like that. But there's a lot of this sort of crap that goes on in universities and everybody repeats it as if it's just, you know, groundbreaking and meaningful and doing something. And it's just it's literally blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just meaningless words. And there's so much of that goes on in the world. And you've probably sat through some of these at your own workplace where they pay an extraordinary amount of money to have come in, somebody come in and say this sort of crap. All right. <laughs> now we have our 11 division managers. Thank you for coming to our seminar on proper and improper humor. Now, it's important to remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The time time and mental energy that is wasted on this crap. Now we're going to, just to break the ice, watch the two girls, one cup video. Oh, boy. Is that breaking societal norms? Yes. All of them. <laughs> Every a sick single one of them. 
Says who? And I call uh, that joke the I call that joke the aristocrat. Anyway, back to the conference. <laughs> so as you'll see in quarter number one, our earnings were. Wow. Wow. Thank you. I for... thought that was funny. Yeah. Why inoffensive jokes can be problematic? Well, and the beautiful part of that is then they would have hearings for the next six weeks about uh, lawyer humor, uh, lawyer jokes, and how it's contributed to the denigration and the rising suicide rate and the lack of job satisfaction of America's law schools, blah, blah, blah. How many successful people managing anything, like bosses at any job in America, how many of them have ever heard of or read the Academy of Management Journal, (laughs) consulted it at all? I'd say close to none. Uh, you know, it reminds me a little bit, and y'all can't relate to this exactly, but I'll bet you can in a way in your field. Radio consultants, and and we used to have to listen to them. We don't anymore, thank God. But uh, we'd ignore them, but we'd listen to, to them. Uh, they would go around and tell you how to do a radio show that could conceivably be popular. And their advice often was good enough, but it was only useful to people who had absolutely zero instinct for doing that. And so, if you have zero instinct for doing that, you can have all the bureaucratic advice you can take in. You will never be able to execute it. So any boss who doesn't have an instinct for what joke's okay and which one isn't in what setting will never be successful at it no matter how many academic journals they read. So we were talking earlier about how we spend way way more money per household than we take in 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 this country, and uh, some of the numbers behind the numbers are quite shocking. We should dwell on a bit. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.